0: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in this great series in the book of 1 Corinthians, a study on the first letter to Corinth. Today we are in chapter 15 and gospel truth. You're about to hear the gospel. You're about to hear the good news, the hope we have, as Pastor Sean breaks it down and helps you understand the gospel for you to share, or maybe for you to understand for the first time. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this list or supported radio ministry, then please do today. There's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. The message today is called Living Hope. It's in the series called One. Sean starts off in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. It's time for Reaching the Real Life Radio.
1: We're going to continue in this series. This week and next week we'll still be in the book of 1 Corinthians, but it's so beautiful this, the way this is just dovetailed with where we are in our Advent theme. Our Advent theme for this morning, for this week, is one of hope. It's one of hope. Advent means the coming. That's what it is. The Advent is, is the preparation for the coming of the Lord, God's people historically waiting for Messiah, looking. And us waiting and looking for the coming of our Lord. That's what Advent is about. It's about anticipation, preparation, preparation of heart for the coming of the Messiah, the Savior. And what's beautiful is this morning, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there, 1 Corinthians 15. The central focus for hope for our entire faith is what Paul's going to unpack. And you're going to see a beautiful dovetail in our Advent theme and in what Paul gives us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to begin at verse 1. Here's what he writes. He says, now brothers and sisters, I'm going to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you've received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. There were other teachings. There were people trying to teach different kind of, quote, gospels, and Paul's saying, no, no, hang firm to the word that I gave you. And then he says this. this is a very interesting passage. We're going to come back to it in a little bit, but I want you to make note of it. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Simon Peter, Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. Another translation says uh, uh, untimely born. And then he goes on and says this, for I am the least Of the apostles, do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, this is what you believed. And listen this but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. There were some teachers, some believe these were were of of the sect, the Sadducees, that had come to faith in Christ, but they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Maybe this was Greek teachings. He's in Corinth. And they didn't have this understanding of the resurrection of the dead. And here they are teaching resurrection of Christ, resurrection of Christ. He's saying, wait a minute, what good does it do for us to talk about the resurrection of Christ if some of you don't even believe that's possible, that resurrection is possible? Verse 13, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, listen, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, But he did not raise them, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Let me pray for us. Lord, I ask that you'd help us to hear your word, hear your voice Help us to understand the power of resurrection. Help us hear what you want to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul is pointing out, rightly so, the centrality of the resurrection. He's saying, without the resurrection, your faith, it doesn't mean anything. He gives some very specific points. He says, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then he's not who he claimed to be. I think that's obvious. The resurrection proves that he was who he said he was. He can do what he said he could do. And if he wasn't, then Jesus, you know, Josh McDowell, I think, wrote beautifully, and he was quoting, I think, from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. Of course, McDowell, in this more contemporary age, alliterated it, which you need to do if you're a pastor. You've got to have the gift of alliteration. He said, Jesus is either liar, lunatic, or Lord. He can't just be a good teacher, just a nice teacher, right? You can't, you can't embrace that based on what he said, based on what he claimed, based on what the claims are made of him. He was either lying, either he was crazy, or he was actually who he said he was. And you have to decide. And C.S. Lewis had written about that beautifully in Mere Christianity as well. See, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then he's not who he claimed to be. The resurrection proves he is who he says he is. Romans 1, 4, Paul wrote about it this way. He said, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. His resurrection declared he was who he said he was. Second thing, Paul points out if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, the word of the apostles is not true. Uh, if he wasn't raised from the dead, we can kind of get rid of this because it's not truth. Their testimony is not true. This word that we built our life on is not truth. Paul says of himself if, they, if he didn't, wasn't raised from the dead, we're false witnesses. We're lying to you. And that's something you need to stop and consider. Thirdly, he says if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then we're all still in our sins, we haven't been forgiven. Because he wasn't the promised Messiah, he didn't do what he said he would do, means he can't do what he claimed to be able to do, that is, pay the penalty for our sins and overcome death with life. He wasn't the resurrection the life as he claimed, if he wasn't raised from the dead. We're still in our sins. And in verse 17, remember Paul said, that means our faith is in vain, This whole exercise, we come here weekends, we worship, we sing the songs, we study the word. Yeah, if he wasn't raised from the dead, then we're wasting our time. Our faith is in vain. Fourth, he said if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, all who've gone before are lost. Sat in the courtyard this morning and prayed with a man who lost his wife three days ago. He's heartbroken, but he said, I know she's with the Lord. I know she gave her heart to Christ, and I know I'm going to see her again. And that is the hope of the gospel. Unless, of course, Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. In which case, he's delusional, and I'm just his delusional enabler. This resurrection's a big deal, and Paul is pointing out, those who've gone before, those who are, quote, he used the phrase, asleep, those who are waiting for the resurrection, yeah, they're gone. They're lost. And fifth, he says, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, we are without hope. And he, and he said, we are, among all people, most to be pitied. <laughs> Because we're deluding ourselves. If Jesus wasn't raised, we're lost. But thank God he didn't stop there, because then he kind of wraps that part with verse 20. Remember what verse 20 says? Make note of this. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. In other words, his resurrection. Is the precursor to our resurrection, the first fruits. He has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. I want to, before we move on from there, because let me just tell you something. Paul, now, in the beginning of that part, he gave evidence. He's giving evidence to people on the resurrection of Christ. Now, if I get up on Easter morning, okay, here at church, and I say, He is risen, what do you people say? He's risen indeed, yes. So on Easter morning, when I talk about the resurrection, we're all like, oh yes, that's awesome, he's resurrected. But if this week, someone says to you at work, do you really believe that like Jesus was dead and then was raised from the dead? I trust you'll say yes, but it's a little different under the glaring light of the fluorescence in an office, Right? Like there's no neat songs, there's no brothers and sisters, there are no great creeds, there's no, it's, it's, it's just like, yeah, I guess that's kind of hard to believe, right? Because every other person I know, when they died, they stayed that way. So when I go to people, when people look at me like I'm a little nuts, on Easter, I'm like, you're a blasphemer. But on the Monday after, I'm like, well, I can understand why you think that, Because it is hard to believe. And Paul knows that and he's writing these people and he gives them some evidence. He says, this is actually true. It really happened. There really is a God. Now understand, we don't believe that somehow, something in Jesus in the tomb and his body just started regenerating and he kind of by himself. We believe that the Father raised him from the dead. The creator, the God who spoke the world into being, raised him from the dead. Our hope is on the, it is connected to the belief that we have a God who can do miraculous things. He spoke the world into being, he created all that we see, he is able, and he did raise Jesus from the dead.
0: We want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Living Hope in the series on Unity called One, which is available right now on demand on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others, just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azarro. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Paul gives some very specific things that I think are important for us to know. Let's just take a look at them real quickly. I want you to understand that those verses I point out, verse 3 through 6, remember what he said? He said, for what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance. That's important language. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Those few verses. And even in verse six, he appeared to, and after that he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Particularly that first part. Receive what I passed on to you. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. Those key points, most scholars, biblical scholars, believe that was an early creed. Paul is quoting because he specifically said, I passed on to you what I received. In other words, somebody passed this on to Christ. Most scholars believe that was an early, much earlier than this letter, Christian creed, that was shared within the Christian community, and it was shared orally, and it was almost like a catechism where they would, would the, they would teach it to one another, teach it to their children. This is what we believe about Christ. Now, what's interesting is this book of 1 Corinthians. Most scholars also believe in it, and this is not the authorship is not under serious dispute, and the date is not really under serious dispute. They think it was around fifty five A. D. Written before the Gospels actually were finished being compiled. So, Paul's letters, this wasn't the earliest, but it was one of the earlier of Paul's letters, in about around 55 AD. Well, understand something. Jesus died around 30 AD. Paul is converted from Damascus Road experience probably two years later, Max three, for three years. I don't want to get ahead of myself. The importance of this dating is there are people who claim one of the big criticisms of the resurrection. From a scholarly standpoint, there are people who say, wait a minute, this was all this material about resurrection was added later. That they didn't, the first century church fathers didn't really claim the resurrection. Somebody brought that later to give some supernatural and some timelessness to this Christian gospel. That the early believers didn't really believe in the resurrection of Christ. Well, the fact that this book was written in 55 AD, And Paul is giving something that was passed on to him at an earlier point, this creed that he is sharing. What's interesting, we get a little insight from Galatians chapter 1, 18 and 19. He's talking about the gospel, talking about his own history with the gospel. And then Galatians 1, 18, 19, he says, then after three years, this is right after his salvation, he says after three years, so for three years, we know he spent time in Damascus, And we know he went away by himself for a time. Then after three years, where did he go? I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, Simon Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. What's fascinating is those are the two in 1 Corinthians 15 that he specifically said, and the Lord appeared to those two as well. Many scholars believe it was at this visit, this time that he's talking about in Galatians, that he actually received this creed, this catechism that says, we believe Jesus died, we believe he was resurrected, we believe he appeared to Peter and to the other apostles. And then at this time he met with James, and he adds that idea. This creed is really a powerful kind of textual proof, uh, at least at the first century believers, Totally taught, they totally believed, and they passed on this word of resurrection. Now, what's interesting is he also says there are a lot of eyewitnesses. He says there's more than 500 people, many of whom are still alive, who saw him after the resurrection. You know, what's interesting about this, that could have easily been disproved. That could have easily been put to rest. Just go ask him. Just go ask them. And in fact, this is Paul writing in 55 AD about this. Uh, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, literally 50 days after the Passover where Christ was sacrificed. He he teaches on the day of Pentecost. And he talks about Jesus who died and was raised. And again, how easy would that have been to disprove? You know there were some pretty powerful groups of people dying to produce that body. Dying to disprove and put this thing to rest. Because if they could have disproved the resurrection, it's over. It's over. This whole thing is over. Jesus is just another one of these guys who came and went and wasn't really the Messiah. But they didn't find the body, and there were lots of witnesses. And Paul says to them, "Look, there were. He appeared over five hundred different people in that time after the resurrection, before his ascension. Ask them. This isn't just me. This isn't just Cephas. This isn't just James." There's lots of people. There were lots of eyewitnesses to this account. And then he talks about his own encounter, of course, the Damascus Road, but also he seemed to imply in several places in his letters that there, he had, that Christ appeared to him and gave him the gospel as he was presenting and teaching. Galatians 1.12, he says, for I did not receive it from any man, this gospel, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now understand, he does all this to, because he wants to make one very powerful point. And this is our main point this morning. And it's this, the hope for my resurrection is found in the truth of his. That's the whole point. That's what this whole chapter is all about. The hope for my resurrection is found in the truth of his resurrection. See, this is personal. This is not just theology. And you know, we got into a little bit of what we call apologetics and a little bit of kind of defending the, the, the historical nature of the resurrection. But just understand, this isn't just theology. It's not just apologetics. It's not just, a, this is personal. This is about my resurrection from the dead. This is about your resurrection from the dead. And we need to grasp that this morning. We need to understand that what Paul is trying to get through is that this is real. This isn't just something we sing about on Easter. This is why he came. This is why Advent's a big deal. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is it. And without this, none of it matters. We are wasting our time. But because of this, our resurrection is secured. We are made alive in him, Listen how he says it in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 10. He says, That I may know him. He says all these things he gave up, all these things he went through, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What's he talking about? Are you talking about I'm going to be resurrected just like Jesus? What he's talking about is what he spoke about in Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 7, how we were dead in our sins, and because of his work on the cross, we are made alive. Look what he says, beginning at verse 4, Ephesians 2, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See, yeah, yeah, if that's not worth clapping, come on. His death and resurrection has secured new life for me. It has secured forgiveness of sin. It has secured the resurrection from the dead, not just now, but for eternity. And the the beauty of eternity is it doesn't start after I die. Eternity starts the minute I am in Christ, the minute my sins are forgiven, the minute my spirit is made alive in him. I am secured for the resurrection. The hope for my resurrection is found in the truth of his A couple really important practical points. Number one, because of his resurrection, my past is not beyond redemption. Because of his resurrection, my past is not beyond resurrection and redemption. I think sometimes we think, well, my past is locked in stone. I can't do anything about it. The time machine's broken. Boy, there's things I wish I could redo. Boy, there's things like, if I knew now, or if I knew then what I know now, man, if I could go fix that, that would be awesome, but it's locked in stone. And so because of that, we carry our past around like a ball and chain, like a ball and chain, our failures, our mistakes, our regrets. How about labels? Got any labels that you sit and think yourself, like, this is just who I am. This is just my lot. This is. I did that. I can't undo it. I got to deal with it. Yeah. What resurrection says is, no, no, no. My past is not beyond redemption. See, I think sometimes we understand this in our minds. We understand the idea of forgiveness. But the experience of forgiveness is very different. We, we understand, oh yes, I understand Jesus died on the cross so that I could be forgiven. And that, that's a wonderful thing. What, what we don't really understand is what was really happening there. You see, that's why Paul says we were dead in our sins. The wages of sin is death, the scripture tells us. And every single person on the face of this planet because of sin is dead. And we need to understand that. We need to grasp that. When you, when you read online or through the paper or wherever, you take in news or you watch it and you just get disgusted and want to turn it off because of all the garbage and all the junk. There it is. That's death lived out. And you're like, wait, that's weird. No, it's not. That's what it's like to see mankind living dead in our sins. And ultimately, when we die in that state, we are eternally Dead and separated from our creator and what he had for us that's what the scripture says but the beauty is scripture says god loved us so much he gave jesus and you got to understand something about god he is absolutely loving he is crazy about you really seriously he loves you like crazy but you have to understand he loves you more than anyone's ever loved you. You've never been loved quite like this. You may have had, I hope you've had a life of wonderful people loving you well. I hope family, sp- spouse, kids, I hope you have had a wonderful life of people love you well. But they're just people, they're fallen people. They are imperfect in their love. I don't care who they are. God loves you perfectly. But another thing you need to understand about God, he is also completely just. He is not like that loving but yet permissive old grandfather who gives you a mint every time you you see him, and when you screw up, he's like, oh, you little rascal, and sends you on your way. That's not what he's like. He's nothing like that. He loves you, and it breaks his heart when we sin. It breaks his heart when we're far from him. But he is also completely just. Because if he weren't, understand, if he weren't just, he wouldn't be good. It's like these go together. And so because he loves you so much and he is crazy about you, And your sin and my sin created a death penalty, a separation. He sent Jesus Christ, his son, to walk among us. And he lived a sinless life, no sin of his own. And he then gave his life on the cross. That horrible, brutal death, he gave his life on the cross so that justice could be satisfied. The wages of sin is death. The wages could be paid. Justice could be served. The penalty was paid. Justice was satisfied. And he could extend Amazing love and amazing grace to us. That's
0: the gospel. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. You'd like to hear this full message in the series called One? It's available right now on demand at ReachingForRealLife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the donate tab at ReachingForRealLife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.